You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont. Bringing to you the return, the long-awaited return of Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet, hosted by BaltimoreFeather.com. Nest Talk episode 36 is being recorded on July 18th, 2019, and it will be released tomorrow, July 19th, 2019. We are just in time for training camp, the return of Nest Talk. Obviously, we took it off the air for a little bit because, well, after the draft, there wasn't that much to talk about. Very sporadic news in between the weeks, but we are back better than ever. We've got a lot to talk about today. Going to be a longer episode than usual. We're going to try and extend these episodes from 28, 30 minutes to maybe an hour, maybe 45 minutes at a time. Uh, So I hope you enjoy the new format a little bit. It's basically going to be the same, just extended some more uh, in-depth topics, some more to talk about, more opinions than usual. Um, And of course, we'll be back weekly. I'm not sure whether we're going to do Fridays or Wednesdays. but right now, this is going to be released on a Friday just because I wanted to let training camp start before we actually release this. I don't want to just talk about training camp. Coming up, training camp has started because the Ravens, uh, ha- rookies reported yesterday. Uh, and by yesterday, I mean Wednesday the 17th. Um, but before we go into depth, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, how you can support the podcast if you like it. If you're a longtime listener, you've probably already subscribed or rated us on iTunes. Or, you know, subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Nest Talk uh, on Twitter. And, of course, visit BaltimoreFeather.com there. And you can also follow me, at Chris Linfon, on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and, and really everything. Uh, mostly you'll find on at Be More Feather, the Baltimore Feathers Twitter handle, or at Nest Talk, uh, Nest Talk's Twitter handle. It's, you know, pretty important to us if you either subscribe, rate us, follow us on Twitter, whatever, just to make sure you're always out there ready to listen to the next episode because we've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, and of course, let's just dive right into it because we do have a lot to talk about today. Even though there's not as much news, we have a lot of opinions to talk about. Uh, but the first piece of news that I do want to hit is that Miles Boykin has um, signed his rookie deal. That is the final rookie deal the Ravens have um, been negotiating, which means everybody is now signed on their contract out of the entire draft class. Now, um, we're not going to go into the undrafted rookies. There's too many of them, and their contracts are relatively the same. You know, the one-year deal, four hundred, you know, $400,000 base, uh, league average. I'm sorry, not league average, league minimum. That's basically what a lot of these undrafted rookies uh, are going to be making. Um, so we're not going to go into the undrafted rookies. We're only going to stick with our drafted boys uh, here on the Ravens squad coming up this year. And, of course, we're going to start in the first round. Marquise Brown was selected by the Baltimore Ravens in the first round of the draft. They traded back um, basically to get them in a better position to select him and get some other picks. Um, but his contract is really interesting. His contract is going to be obviously the most lucrative of any player selected by the Baltimore Ravens. Um, it's much more lucrative than Jalen Ferguson's. He was picked in the third round versus the first round. Contracts, of course, are always structured in the first round differently than guys in the later rounds. The higher up you are picked, the more likely you are to make more money. That's just how these contracts work. But Marquise Brown's contract is very interesting to me because the Ravens are giving him a major financial investment very early in his career before he even takes a snap for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, he's going to make... $11.787 million over four years. That's not like that out of the ordinary for a rookie deal, but I think what is out of the ordinary, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but 94.13% of his rookie contract, that $11.787 million, is fully guaranteed. That means if he gets cut, if he gets hurt, never plays another down, if something happens halfway through his rookie contract, he will get, $11.095 million in total. That is insane. Marquise Brown's got a good agent. I'll tell you that. I mean, this is the kind of guaranteed percentage Le'Veon Bell has been chasing for his entire career. 94.13% guaranteed. I saw this guaranteed number writing the script for this podcast. I didn't actually know that he was getting this kind of money guaranteed. I I calculated the percentages for everybody, and I saw 94.13% for Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown here, the speedster, and I was uh, I was in shock. That is a, a ginormous. Uh, good for him though. I mean, this is life changing. 
Uh, if you watched our Marquise Brown video on the YouTube channel, you know uh, he did not grow up in luxury, to say the least. And this is, I mean, this is fantastic for him, in all honesty. This is great. Uh, of course, you hope the Ravens never have to come to terms with this contract being a bad one, right? We never want to have uh, a rookie deal go south, especially with this kind of percent guaranteed here. Um, but, of course, there are some concerns about Marquise Brown, as we'll get into later in the episode. He does, uh, well, he is coming back from a Linz Frank foot injury. I think he had surgery on it, actually. Um, so there is the chance that, you know, they would have to pay him a ridiculous amount if he's not on the team uh, in dead cap. But I don't think that'll happen. I mean, you don't really get rid of your first round pick unless it's, you know, three years down the line, they're a complete flop. You know, we saw that with Prashad Perryman released um, this past year after being drafted in 2015. Um, so I don't think we're ever going to have to come to a situation where this guaranteed money is, is really a problem. Um, but it's really, really amazing to see that he got 94.13% of his contract guaranteed. And of course there are players who have nowhere near that amount in guaranteed money. Uh, and I like to go by the percentages because you could say, oh, well, he's making $11 million guaranteed and he's making $1 million guaranteed. All right, but if, if the first guy's contract is $50 million and the second guy's contract is $2 million, then it's a 50% guaranteed versus what, like a 10, 20% guarantee? So, you know, I think that's probably more telling to the financial commitment a team is making on a player than actual just dollars and cents. Because, you know, if you're, if you're basically fully guaranteeing an entire contract, which is what the Ravens are doing, I mean, you got the 0.5, you know, 9% or whatever that's not fully guaranteed... Um, you know, they're, but, but it doesn't really matter. They're basically giving um, Marquise Brown a fully guaranteed contract at this point because they're not going to be like, oh, well, we could save $700,000 over four years if we cut him today. Like, they'll never think of that. It's spread out evenly. Um, so it's very telling that the Ravens are giving a major financial investment into Marquise Brown. They expect him to do great things for this offense long term. That's the key. They expect to do, him to do it long term, and they're setting him up for a good relationship with the organization. He's not going to have any money qualms with them like a Le'Veon Bell did maybe uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers because they're right away, they're they're giving him some money right away. And that, I think it's a good a good strategy. They have cap to burn right now with Lamar Jackson on his rookie deal. I mean, why not set him up, you know, for success early on, financial success. Um, but the third round pick, Jalen Ferguson, he has a much less lucrative deal with the Baltimore Ravens. As expected, he's a third round pick. This is just how contracts work. Uh, four years, 365 Five million dollars, uh, only nine hundred and three thousand in guaranteed. That's about twenty four point seven two percent guaranteed. Um, that's pretty average for a third round pick. Nothing really to digest there. Nothing controversial about that. Um, but again, you can see the the steep drop in percent guaranteed. But what I will say about this is, um, this is pretty average. This twenty low twenties mark. Um, of percent guaranteed money. That's pretty average. He's actually making a little bit above um, the real average here if we take the outliers out at 24.72% guaranteed. Now, um, I would talk about Miles Boykin, the sec second third round picks contract, but that just happened yesterday. We know nothing about his contract deals details. I would imagine that it's somewhere in between what Jalen Ferguson is making and what Justice Hill, the fourth round pick, is making. Now, Justice Hill got a four-year deal. Um, everybody's basically getting a four-year rookie contract. No one's going to get three years or anything like that. Uh, Justice Hill got four years, $3.261 million, seven, uh, $741,000 fully guaranteed. That's a percent guaranteed rate of 2274 So, Miles Borkin's probably making somewhere in between there. Um, Justice Hill, I think that's a good deal for him. Uh, again, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing out of the ordinary with the other, I'm sorry, the next pick, Ben Powers, uh, four years, 3.217, uh, that's million, and his fully guaranteed money is $697,000, fully guaranteed, percent guaranteed of 21.68, again, that's about average, but the next pick, Dalen Mack, way below the percent guaranteed average, he is going to make, well, if he's on the Ravens for this entire four years, $2.819 million, only $299,000 in fully guaranteed money. That's 10.62% fully guaranteed. I don't know exactly uh, why it's so low, but that does tell me the Ravens aren't going to fully 
invest a future in Dale and Mac for whatever reason. I mean, because they are leaving the door open for, I mean, a dead cap of four years for $299,000. I mean, that's not a lot. So, you know, there isn't, I mean, all these rookies really aren't much except for the first couple guys. You know, you get picked, uh, the dead cap, especially, well, obviously for Marquise Brown, but usually a second round pick would be uh, a little bit heavier of a dead cap too. Dale and Mac, I mean, this is a huge drop. And it's not like everybody below Dale and Mac gets a bigger drop too, because Eamon Marshall, the cornerback out of um, Stanford actually makes more over the four years and has more fully guaranteed money at a higher percentage. So he's going to make $3.193 million if he's there for the full four years. Uh, If he's not there for the full four years, he at least will get $673,000 fully guaranteed no matter what. That's a percent guaranteed rate of 21.08%. Um, so something happened in there with that Dale and Mac conversation, those negotiations, something, I mean, something tells me the Ravens, well, obviously this tells me the Ravens aren't, aren't fully investing in Dale and Mac. Maybe this has something to do with Gerald Willis on the roster, the undrafted free agent who could make the team. Maybe Dale and Mac isn't a necessary, is necessarily not a, a guaranteed spot on this roster. I don't actually know. I'm not going to make a conjecture out of this because it's too little information. I'm just going to, you know, spitball some ideas maybe. Um, but, you know, this is telling that there's something in there that the Ravens aren't super comfortable with Dalen Mack um, or that the, he didn't want this guaranteed money, which, you know, obviously doesn't make any sense. He's not sacrificing guaranteed money, betting on himself for a higher, you know, um, salary. It's He has a lower salary than Emin Marshall, the third-round pick. Uh, but who really gets ripped off on guaranteed money is Trace McSorley, the Ravens' final pick. Trace McSorley, the quarterback out of Penn State, obviously not a lock to make the roster at any point in his Ravens career. His Ravens career could end this year. It could end 10 years from now. Who knows? But Trace McSorley, uh, four-year, $2.68 million uh, in salary, only guaranteed $160,000 if he gets cut tomorrow. He makes $160,000. That's it. That is really low for the Penn State quarterback. Percent guaranteed, 5.99%. Now that's super low, but why is it super low? That's more important to know. It's super low because there are three quarterbacks on this Ravens roster right now. Lamar Jackson is not getting cut. Robert Griffin III is the designated backup. Trace McSorley is not a real quarterback. Well... He's a real quarterback. He can throw the ball. He could play well. He could eventually become the backup or starter if something was to happen to Lamar Jackson, right? Here's the deal, though. The Ravens, like, obviously love Lamar Jackson. They like Robert Griffin III. They're not sure what to make of Trace McSorley. McSorley could become a Swiss Army knife like Taysom Hill, or he could be cut the day after training camp ends. So the Ravens are not going to financially invest a lot of money into McSorley's contract. If they assumed he would be the backup quarterback for sure, They'd give him a lot of money. Now, an interesting scenario, I think, could be the Ravens could keep Lamar Jackson, trade RG3 if, if his team was offering to make him a potential starter, uh, if they, you know, someone gets injured and they need a quarterback, and make McSorley the de facto uh, backup. It'd be very interesting to see that happen, but right now I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only way McSorley can make this roster is if he shows Swiss Army knife abilities, Taysom Hill. He's got to be able to not only quarterback, He's got to be a wide receiver, a defensive back, and a kick returner slash special teams player, gunner, whatever it is. Um, so he's got a lot to do uh, in this offseason to ensure he can make this Ravens roster because right now we don't know where he stands. Um, and the final piece of news, because there really isn't that much news going into training camp, is that training camp is starting. The rookies reported on Wednesday, July 17th. Veterans rule report uh, next Wednesday, July 24th. And the first full practice of training camp will be Thursday, July 25th. Of course, the Ravens have a lot of these practices, I think maybe all of them, or at least most of them, open to the public. If you have not already got your tickets, it's probably too late for you in all honesty. They're probably gone, they were probably gone the first day. I got my tickets uh, from one of these days early on, so can't wait. And of course, there is, if you didn't get tickets, the stadium practice, uh, I believe July 27th is that Saturday. I think that's the day of the practice. You might want to check on the Ravens website. And, if, you know, if you didn't get tickets, open stadium practice, it's free. I think it's only like $10 to park in a parking lot or you could park somewhere else. But, you know, it's convenience right there. 
free practice for everybody. Fireworks, it's a great show. They were going to do it last year. I was going to go, but they ended up canceling because of the weather. It was going to rain. Okay, time to go into the more meat of today's episode. We are going to talk more opinion than news because, frankly, there's less news and opinion is more fun. Um, Training camp expectations, we're going to start with those. And then we are actually going to go into something a little bit uh, fun, just the Madden ratings came out for Baltimore Ravens players. I'm going to tell you who's overrated, underrated, and perfectly rated uh, on the Baltimore Ravens in the next Madden 20 game. Um, but training camp expectations, we got to go over breakout candidates and rookies to watch um, because, you know, there are always guys who are ready to break out, and there are always rookies who you need to watch. Even if, you know, it could be the first-round pick, it could be an undrafted guy you got to watch because there are guys out there who are going to make this team and surprise a lot of people in their first year. And we got to identify them now so we can claim to have known when they become a Hall of Famer. So, training camp expectations. Let's go to breakout candidates already who have been on this roster. Some veterans, some year two, three guys in here. Uh, And the first one is Chris Moore. Everyone expects Chris Moore every year, it seems like, to do something different as a wide receiver to get an increased role on this offense and it never really seems to happen but he has matured a lot since he entered the league in 2016 was primarily used as a special teamers guy back then didn't do a whole lot as rookie year but progressively every year he's been getting better and better and in this year's offense um, you know he's he's on this team he caught passes from Lamar last year um, I think he's only one of two he and um, Willie Sneed are probably the only two who have caught actually are the only two who even played with Lamar Jackson last year. You got Jordan Lasley and Jaleel Scott. Jaleel Scott on IR, of course, all last year, but Lasley in practices at least. But these guys have caught NFL passes for Lamar Jackson, and that's critical because Lamar Jackson needs guys he knows, needs guys who he has chemistry with in year two, and I think that Chris Moore might be one of these guys. You know Willie Sneed's going to be great, fantastic, as long as he's healthy. We understand that. That's why he's he's not a breakout candidate. We just know it. Chris Moore is a little bit more uncertain, no pun intended. Chris Moore is going to have a greater opportunity than he has ever had to excel in this offense. And he's got to take advantage of it this year. It's a contract year for him. He's going to be a free agent next year unless he gets extended. If he wants an extension, if he wants a lucrative contract next year, he's got to get 800 yards. He's got to get five touchdowns. He's got to do something that that really makes him look great, makes the world know that Chris Moore is a top receiver talent in the National Football League. Right now, you know, he hasn't shown that. And again, you know, it seems like every year we keep saying that Chris Moore is going to break out, Chris Moore is going to break out, and he hasn't done it yet. So this year is the year. If he doesn't break out, there's a good chance he's not on the Ravens next year and plays as a backup role for somebody else. Um, But the next breakout candidate, Matt Judon, another guy we've been expecting to break out for a little while now. He's had, I think, a little bit better of a progression than Chris Moore has. He's also in his contract year, drafted the same year as Chris Moore in 2016. Judon's been on the cusp of greatness. I I think it's pretty obvious. He's got the talent. He's got a lot of things. He's just been a little bit overshadowed, I think, by some of the other guys on this team. Terrell Suggs, obviously, for for since 2016, really, it's been Terrell Suggs' team since since Judon came on here, way before since Judon was even anywhere, you know, a thought in Baltimore. Um, Zedaria Smith last year. You know, somewhat overshadowed Judon. Judon has a big year. If he wants to be the Ravens' pass rusher for a long time to come, he's got to put up 10, 12 sacks this year. Prove himself as the guy the Ravens can depend on and grab that extension or go into free agency and sign with somebody else. You know, because if he doesn't, though, if he puts up another seven sack season, it's not going to be. He's not going to get a mega deal like Zedaria Smith did. Now, I don't think Zedaria Smith's mega deal was actually warranted for the play he did on the field. I think he was a good pass rusher. He's not a $65 million pass rusher or whatever he got, 45 65 something like that. He's not a crazy pass rusher like that. He's not Julius Peppers going up to Green Bay. Um, but Pat, uh, not Patrick, Matthew Judon, you know, he has a great opportunity here to become what Zedaria Smith became, to make a lot of money. Uh, whether it's with the Ravens or without, with another team. So it's a contract year. You expect great things out of players on contract years because it's super critical. Uh, and, of course, they mature four years into the future from their rookie deal, unless they're a first-round pick. It's five years, usually. Um, so we'll see what Judon does, but he's a breakout candidate. You should watch him in training camp, see how he progresses. Let's see what happens with Judon moving forward. Another breakout candidate, Patrick Onwaso. 
I don't think Patrick Onwaso is on a rookie deal. I think I'm sorry, he's on a rookie deal. I don't think he's on a contract year until next year. Now, the reason Patrick Onwaso is a breakout candidate for me, there's, it's twofold. The first is he looked great at the end of last year. He was fantastic on the field. He made plays left and right. That Chargers game, not the playoff game, the one we won against the Chargers in L.A., that was a phenomenal performance by Patrick Onwaso. Grade A performance all throughout the end of the season last year. But here's the real way he can benefit. C.J. Mosley is no longer with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, obviously that's terrible for the Baltimore Ravens. C.J. was a great player and a great presence in this locker room, in this community. But for Patrick Onwaso, think about it. Middle linebacker, he's going to probably take more reps over Kenny Young. He's going to be the number one guy in this middle linebacker and this inside linebacker crew. Patrick Onwaso has a great, great opportunity to take control of this positional group, become a breakout player, and replace C.J. Mosley uh, as as one of the better you know middle linebackers in the league. Uh, we'll see what happens with Peanut. We won't know for a little while, I think. Uh, but in training camp, we should be able to see whether or not he's at least on par with last year. Now, staying on the defensive side of the ball, another breakout candidate for the Baltimore Ravens is second-year safety Deshaun Elliott. Look, I was hyped a lot about Elliott last year. I really thought Deshaun Elliott was going to be a great presence in this safety group and actually get time on the field in his rookie year until he broke his forearm last year. Entire year out on the IR. Just a terrible situation for all parties involved. Now, Deshaun Elliott this year... um, he looks good. Now, we saw him play in OTAs a little bit. He's a ball hawk. We knew that coming out of college. He's a ball hawk. He was picking plays off in OTAs. and everything um, that the Ravens have done so far, he's looked phenomenal. Now, the coaches are very impressed with him. The media is very impressed with him. His fellow players are impressed with him. With Eric Weddle gone, Deshaun Elliott obviously is not going to take it for, for Eric Weddle. They brought in Earl Thomas. But Deshaun Elliott will probably get more time. I think he's technically a strong safety. But as a ball hawk, he could probably play free safety back there um, if he's not been moved to free safety already. I don't know. But Deshaun Elliott, I think, will be a, a very big breakout candidate. But again, he is going to be overshadowed by Earl Thomas and, of course, Tony Jefferson on the other side. right? So you got two really good safeties in there. He's got to find his way into this the secondary as a reliever, maybe, for both um, Tony Jefferson and... Earl Thomas, of course, Earl Thomas is coming off of a major injury. He could be a really good reliever. Uh, Deshaun Elliott could be. But I think he, he's going to be a good player in his own right, and this could be the year we really see him start to break out. And he, I think he will get time in the secondary if he impresses the coaches enough in training camp, in the preseason, uh, and, of course, in practices throughout the year. Final breakout candidate, former players. Um, not former players, players who have been on this team formerly, not just rookies. We are going to look at Jermaine Illuminor. Now, you might be asking, you mean that guard we drafted like three years ago that hasn't done anything? Yeah, Jermaine Illuminor, a lot of coaches are impressed with how he's developed, especially this past offseason. This past offseason, I mean, all the reports I've seen about Jermaine Illuminor have been stunning. Uh, coaches are just impressed with what he's doing, and he's going to make a legitimate run at left guard. For that left guard position, Alex Lewis is coming off. He had injuries last year. Ben Powers was drafted, but he's a rookie. Jermaine Illuminor could become the left guard of the Baltimore Ravens in 2019. Is this crazy or what? We have not seen Jermaine Illuminor do anything since he was drafted. And when he's on the field, he's been more of a liability than anything, in all honesty. But it looks like Illuminor could become the left guard if he continues to develop at this rate. Coaches are very impressed with him. Now, moving on to the rookie uh, class, guys to watch here in this class. I've identified five of them here. We're going to start with Marquise Brown. Obviously, Marquise Brown is the first-round pick. He's the talk of the town. He's the guy everybody wants to know about. But, I mean, there's other things we have to watch for Marquise Brown. He's coming off of a Linz Frank foot injury. I believe he had surgery for it. The Ravens placed him on some sort of non-football injury list today. Um... How will he rebound from this injury? Right, because the Ravens actually don't really know. It shouldn't affect his speed. It's a foot injury. It's not anything in his motion. Uh, unless it's extremely sore. 
to the point where it hurts to walk, but at that point, I don't know why he'd be playing football. Um, you know, it shouldn't be a problem in his in his um, development as a wide receiver. But sometimes you just don't know. And we don't know with Marquise Brown. We expect him to be a great receiver. But we've had guys we expected to be great receivers not pan out very well. So I don't think that'll happen to Marquise Brown. But I think this offseason, as a rookie, will be very telling for him to see him develop into a wide receiver in the future. Now, of course, the speed is his biggest asset. You've got a guy like Lamar Jackson. Not going to hit him on home run balls down the field a lot. We're going to look more for slants over the middle. Quick routes turning into big rack yards. Uh, down the field touchdowns on these slants. You know, screens, everything. And of course, the occasional downfield bomb to him. Uh, you know, that would really rely more on Lamar Jackson's progression as a passer than anything. But the speed on this offense is is killer. You got Marquise Brown, Justice Hill, Lamar Jackson, the fa- some of the fastest guys in the league at this point. Um, so we'll see how Marquise Brown develops along with this offense that's now completely centered around Lamar Jackson. It's not Lamar Jackson inheriting an offense from Joe Flacco and then them tailoring it to him midseason. It's tailoring a new offense specifically around Lamar Jackson and the abilities of him, his pass catchers, and his running backs. All the guys they brought in. So we'll see how that works out for Lamar and, of course, Marquise Brown. He's going to be, you know, his Marquise Brown's performance will be tied to Lamar Jackson's performance, but Marquise Brown has to make himself ready to go uh, in a lot of these plays. And, of course, as long as he's speedy, as long as he can catch the ball, he should be fine. Um, now, the uh, next player here, Gerald Willis, defensive tackle, undrafted rookie. You might be asking yourself, why are we going to watch this random undrafted defensive tackle? Well, he's not so random, actually, because many expected him to be drafted, some as high as the third round. Why was he not drafted in the third round? Why was he not drafted at all? Gerald Willis, out of Miami, a lot of people, um, you know, understood there's some sort of character um, issues, character concerns with Gerald Willis. They're not sure whether or not he would make it in the NFL because of these character concerns. All 32 teams opted not to draft them. That should tell you that something is there that they're concerned about. Whether it's a legitimate concern or not, I don't know. We don't know enough about the situation. But what we do know is Gerald Willis is a talent that should have been drafted if not for these character concerns. And the Ravens were lucky to get him in undrafted free agency. They did it. Um, and, you know, he could make this roster. He very well could make this roster. Maybe this is the reason why Dalen Mack isn't given a lot of guaranteed money. Maybe it's Gerald Willis. They expect Gerald Willis to make the roster. They're not going to give a lot of money to the other guy they drafted. It's very possible. I don't know. Um, but they do have a lot of options here um, with this defensive tackle unit. Um, guys in their rookie contracts that they can get and uh, make this entire unit better than it was before. Now, moving on here, another wide receiver I want to watch is Joe Horn Jr., another undrafted guy, actually. Uh, and the reason we should watch Joe Horn Jr., not only he's the son of, a, of, of Joe Horn, um, former Saints, I believe, wide receiver, uh, good wide receiver, I've only heard good things about Joe Horn Jr. Uh, this entire offseason, I've heard that he's done very well with the coaches, with the players, executing plays, making plays, making great catches on the field. He's done very well, and he's impressed, impressed a lot of people. Um, I think he actually was a tryout um, in rookie minicamp. I don't believe he was actually signed as an undrafted free agent. I think he tried out and then made the roster, so that should tell you the coaches were really willing to get rid of somebody right away to get Joe Horn Jr. a chance to compete for the Ravens. So they definitely like him to start with. So he's already got a head start there. Um, the Ravens, of course, are overhauling this wide receiver unit. they got to find guys who connect with Lamar Jackson, who click, who have that chemistry right away. And if it's Joe Horn Jr., it's Joe Horn Jr. They're not going to say, oh, well, he's undrafted. Let's just find somebody else. No. Joe Horn Jr. has a legitimate, a legitimate attempt, a legitimate opportunity to make this roster. And we'll see going down the line here in training camp, in the preseason, what he can actually do, how he blends with Lamar Jackson, RG3, and Trace McSorley down the line here. It'll be crucial um, for him to make plays in the preseason, I think. If he makes big plays in the preseason, he'll have a much better chance to make this roster than if he only made plays in, in, in minicamp and some in the in training camp. Because then, you know, it's, it's minicamp, it's training camp, it's not as intense as a preseason game. 
Those preseason games are crucial, and we'll see what Joe Horn Jr. can do by the time we get to that point. Uh, but we're not there yet, obviously. Heading back to the defensive side of the ball, Eamon Marshall, a cornerback I want to see a lot out of, uh, and he's a rookie to watch here. And the reason is because the Ravens are completely stacked in the secondary. I don't need to tell you that. If you if you know who's in our secondary, you know that we're stacked, right? And Eamon Marshall probably won't get a lot of play time in his rookie year. But we're thinking long-term here. When you think about the Ravens secondary, you've got aging guys um, and an infusion of youth that's coming behind them. So you've got Jimmy Smith and Brandon Marshall, not Brandon Marshall, Brandon Carr. How long do these two players have left on the team? I don't know. Jimmy Smith could be gone next year. His contract's up. Brandon Marshall is, is, I think he's in his 30s now too, so he could be gone soon as well. Marlon Humphrey's not going anywhere. Um, you've got Anthony Averett in there, who could, who's, who could develop into a very good cornerback. And Eamon Marshall, biggie, very big cornerback. You know, these are guys the Ravens are banking on to develop long-term so they can move from the old guard to the new guard and keep the secondary as the best in football post-Jimmy Smith, post-Brandon Carr. Now, if Eamon Marshall doesn't show out this year, the Ravens won't cut him. They'll keep him on. They'll stash him on the IR. They'll do whatever, put practice squad even if they had to. They're going to keep him around if they can, um, but they want to see him progress. They want to see him start well and end well this this training camp this preseason they want him to end better than he did start even if he starts well which they want him to do he's got to end better so we have to see some progression from him and Marshall we can't see him be stagnant because we need to know he can develop long term so for that reason him Marshall is a player to watch a rookie to watch this training camp and the final rookie to watch this training camp you may not expect it is Trace McSorley we talked about his contract details He's the lowest percent guaranteed player um, on this roster. Now, why am I saying Trace McSorley has to be watched this training camp? The reason is a lot of people expect him to become the next Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, obviously, if you watch the Ravens game against the Saints, you'll know is that quarterback who played everything on the field. Trace McSorley can be that guy. A lot of people think Trace McSorley can be that guy. I think Trace McSorley can be that guy. He's got a lot of attributes. He played, I think, defensive back in high school at some point, maybe. That's what I've heard. Um, so is he Is he really, the question is, is he Taysom Hill 2.0 or is it all hype? Is he going to make this roster and be a Swiss Army Knife guy who can do everything for the Ravens? Or can he do nothing for the Ravens and they have to cut him right away? We have to know. And the only way to find out is watch training camp, watch the preseason. I mean, he's got to do well. I mean, he is in a very precarious situation. The Ravens that keep three quarterbacks again, he's got to be able to bring something to the table. That's not just being able to sit and throw the ball because they got two guys in Lamar Jackson, even with Lamar Jackson's accuracy problems, and RG3 who can sit and throw the ball. It's got to be more than that. Trace McSorley has to come out and be able to play defensive back, be able to play wide receiver, be able to play gunner or kick returner or punt returner or anything. He's got to do a lot. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of work for him. He's going to be in a lot of different rooms. He's got to take advantage of everything. And I think probably if he had one way to go, if he had one absolute way, one position to focus on, aside from quarterback, obviously, it's special teams. Everyone knows John Harwell loves special teams players. Everybody knows it. If he can be a special teams guy, especially if he becomes a kick returner or a, like, knockout gunner, that he's going to make this roster. Because they'll see, well, you know, Trace McSorley, we could make a backup quarterback in the future should we trade RG3, plus he could do special teams, plus we can maybe put him on as a, a decoy wide receiver, or a real wide receiver, or a defensive back here and there, you know. For whatever reason, obviously defensive backs are completely loaded, but if they want to put him in just to, you know, see what he could do, why not? Um, but special teams is the key for Trace McSorley. Uh, and I think either as a returner or a gunner, you know, I think probably returner would be better. I think if he had a real impact as a returner, he could beat out Cyrus Jones for the position because if they kept Cyrus Jones and Trace McSorley as sole special teams guys, that's two. I don't know if they can keep two sole special teams players, designating special teams players on this roster. It'd be difficult for the Ravens without a doubt because of roster constrictions. Um... So again, he's got to he's got to beat out Cyrus Jones at kick returner or really like become the gunner 
on special teams that just annihilates everybody. That's what he's, what he's got to do. Um, so it's 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 going to be difficult for him because he really is transitioning from being a quarterback, knowing you, you know what he's got to do, going through progressions, yada yada yada, that complex mind game, to a brand new mind game with another set of rules he's got to deal with. So it will be interesting to see how Trace McSorley plays this training camp, this preseason. Now, um, so those are our preseason players and rookies to watch, uh, breakout candidates uh, in there too. And of course, we talked about this earlier. I mentioned it. Madden 20 is coming out, and we got the Madden 20 ratings for the Baltimore Ravens. You can go find them on EA's website, uh, Electronic Arts, obviously. Uh, all the ratings. It's it's If you don't know how it works, Madden every year has ratings for these players to, to make them basically play better or worse in games. They try to make it as real as possible. So if you're if you're Tom Brady, you're going to be a very highly rated quarterback. Versus if, you know, you're Nathan Peterman, you're probably going to be a very low rated quarterback. He'll probably be a 50-some overall, Tom Brady a 90-some overall. It's, it's really a scale from 50, well, it could be to zero, theoretically. But no one really is past 50, going backwards, to 90s. 99 is the highest overall rating. So um, the higher the number is, the better the player is. The lower the number is, the worse he is. Um, so I went through, I looked at all the Ravens um, being rated by Madden, being rated by the EA developers, and I saw three players that were overrated, three players rightly rated, and three players, I think, are underrated. Um, now, it's, it is difficult for me to say that a lot of these guys are overrated because, you know, I love these Ravens, right? Um, so, you know, it's not like I want to say, oh, these guys are bad. No, I think that you're just a little highly, too highly rated by by Madden from what I've seen them as Ravens, right? And, and some of these guys, you know, one of these guys has never been a Raven before. So, I mean, it's not really fair to say that he's, you know... A bad Raven. I'm not saying anybody's a bad Raven. I'm just going to say that they might be too highly rated for what we've seen on the field. And the first one is Pernell McPhee. Pernell McPhee is a 79 overall. So he's not great in Madden, but he's like right there with a little bit of an overall boost. He could be better. Um, he could be a good su- starter for somebody. 81, 82. That's really the starter range is 80s to 90s. 79 is kind of on, on the weird cusp of it. But anyway... Pernell McPhee at a 79 overall. He, look, he hasn't done much since he was injured. Okay? Look, when Pernell McPhee was in his prime, he was pretty good. Okay? His last year with the Baltimore Ravens, 7.5 sacks. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens in 2012. You know, so he, he had a good career with the Ravens. But went to Chicago, didn't do so well, had a bunch of injuries, went to Washington, didn't record a single sack last year, and now he's coming in being rated a 79 overall. I don't know about that. I think... You know, he's been hindered by these injuries. It just feels too generous to give him a 79. To make him a cusp starter, like on the cusp of a starter, a good starter, it doesn't It doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, I think he should probably be a 75. And it's no disrespect for Fernando McPhee. It's more about the injury concern and his lack of, of, of um, production on the field since those injuries. To give him a 79, I think, is too high. Uh, going on to Seth Roberts, I think is too high. He's rated a 77. I think he should be rated a 75. Um, you know, he's, or a 74, 74, 75, somewhere in there. Seth Roberts is a useful addition to the Ravens, right? To this Ravens roster, to the wide receivers group. He provides a good option, but there's no guarantee he's going to make this team. And Chris Moore, right, is, is a 71. How is he high, higher ranked than Chris Moore? When I think Chris Moore will probably end up higher than him on the depth chart. Doesn't make sense to me. Seth Roberts, I think, is a good player, a good wide receiver, but I don't think, especially with all his drop issues in Oakland in recent years, I don't think he is merited to be a 77 overall. Um, Willie Sneed is the highest rated wide receiver. He's a 78. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Willie Sneed should be higher. Um, I didn't list him as an uh, underrated player because I, I plan to talk about him right here. You know, Willie Sneed obviously should be rated higher than that, but at 78... Um, having Seth Roberts at 77, just one point under Willie Sneed, I don't really see it. I, I, I rather, I mean, Marquise Brown is a 77 as well. I think Marquise Brown should at least be two overall points higher than Seth Roberts. So Seth Roberts should be somewhere between 74 and 75. Um, so he is too highly rated for this. And the final one is Michael Pierce. Now, Michael Pierce is rated a 92, so that's like very good player 
once you're in the 90s, it's a very good player. Michael Pierce is a very good player. In, in real life, he's fantastic. Um, but I don't think he deserves to be the second highest player on this team. I mean, he's better than Brandon Williams in real life and in this Madden game, so that's correct. But he should really be rated in the really high 80s, 88, 89. 90 seems too generous for me. I don't know. Maybe it's because he showed up to training camp overweight. Um, maybe it's because, you know, he's a defensive tackle and the Ravens have tons of them. Um, so they split up the stats. Um, but I just feel 92 is a little too high for Michael Pierce. I'm not, com- I'm not really complaining because I, I like Michael Pierce getting the recognition he deserves. But I think 92 for Madden, you know, as a Madden player, that's a little too high. That's just a little too high. Um, rightly rated players, actually, though, we have... Uh, three of them, I think, perfectly rated here. And the first one is Hayden Hurst at a 78 overall. He's like kind of borderline starter, kind of good, but kind of bad at the same time. And the 70s, that's usually high 70s, is usually kind of good, kind of bad. Um, he didn't show enough for me in his rookie campaign to, to allow him to be highly rated uh, as a tight end. And, and the injuries, um, he had a couple of them last year. He was often overshadowed by Mark Andrews, so I don't think he should be in the 80s. But he shouldn't be in the low 70s either because he's a great talent. So high 70s, 78, I think, is a perfect spot for Hayden Hurst. Um, and it leaves room for a lot of improvement, too. Hayden Hurst can become a very good tight end this year, and that will be reflected in Madden as the game continues. They always update the ratings. So it's not like he's starting too high and they'll just have to sit on him, and he's not too low where they'd have to like boost him up correctly. If by week three, he's got like 200 yards receiving. 78, he can progressively increase in his overall um so i think he's perfectly rated actually um another perfectly rated player earl thomas he's a 95 in here he's the best ravens player rated um in here i'll tell you why i don't think he should be the best ravens player rated but he should be a 95 um earl thomas is the best free safety in the national football league period there's nobody better than earl thomas right now um, and his additions to the Ravens, it, it's ginormous, it's huge. Baltimore has the best secondary now, and Earl Thomas is really the linchpin, the centerpiece around this. He's four whole overall points. And that's pretty. That's a big margin there, ahead of Eddie Jackson, who's the second place uh, on these free, free safety rankings at 91. So he's by far rated the best free safety in all of Madden going into the, to the, uh, to the game this year. And I think that's right on target for Earl Thomas. He shouldn't be anything lower than a 95. Um, of course, he could be higher, but you know, I think 95 is perfect for him. Um, but he should not be the number one rated Raven, and we will talk about that at the end of our underrated section on here. Um, and the third rightly rated Ravens player, I think, is Marshall Yonda. Marshall Yonda, look, every year, to me in, as a media personality, it seems that Marshall Yonda is not talked about enough every year. Because Marshall Yonda, he's a right guard. No one cares about right guards, let's be real. It's the position, everyone cares about the tackles. The tackles, you know, go up against the edge rushers all the time, especially the left tackle. Everyone cares about the center. No one cares about the guards, especially the right guard. Who wants to deal with a right guard? But Marshall Yonda, everybody in Baltimore cares about Marshall Yonda because Marshall Yonda is a fantastic player. Marshall Yonda has been anchoring this offensive line as a right guard for years and years on end since 2007. Okay, 91 overall, that's perfect. He's a fantastic right guard. He should be a highly, highly rated player. Madden always does a good job uh, when it comes to rating Marshall Yonda. Every year I play Madden, he's always, always up there among the best right guards. But we never really hear his name in the national media. Maybe it's because he's not in a glamorous position again. Right guard, no one really cares. Um, maybe it's because the national media just doesn't like the Ravens for whatever reason. They always seem to just ignore them for bigger markets. Um, but Marshall Yonda um, does get the recognition he deserves in Madden year in and year out. And again, you know, even though this is probably going to be one of his last years, maybe next year could be his official last year, uh, Marshall Yonda at 91 overall I think is a perfect rating for the veteran right guard who will anchored this offensive line again this year um and he's a potential hall of famer too so this of course this suits him pretty well being in the 90s moving on to our underrated players i've actually picked three and then a bonus one for you guys that's pretty obvious once you hear it um 
The first one is Marlon Humphrey. He's only an 85. I think Marlon Humphrey should be 91. 91 overall. I think he's one of the best emerging. No, he flat out is the best emerging cornerback in the National Football League. 85 overall rating is mega lame. That's just super duper lame. Everything is lame about that for Marlon Humphrey. That's like, you know, just something you'd put there to be like, well, is he elite? Is he not elite? You know, 85. It's like borderline elite player. No, Marlon Humphrey's an elite player. Let's end this conversation. Let's change his rating to 90, 91 and make him the best young cornerback in the National Football League. His only competition for that title is Marshawn Lattimore. And I think he beats Marshawn Lattimore in a head-to-head cornerback competition if you could have such a thing. I think he would flat-out beat Marshawn Lattimore. Um, he's, he's the best emerging young cornerback in the National Football League. So, you know, giving him an 85, I think, is just, you know, it's underwhelming for him. It doesn't fit him. Um... And he doesn't get the respect he deserves in this Madden game. Uh, and even the Ravens, they sent out, uh, the Ravens Twitter account sent out a little uh, tweet saying like, oh, Marlon Humphrey is just an 85 overall in Madden. And they included that really great pick against the Chargers in LA where he like dives backwards for it. You know, so, you know, whatever. Marlon Humphrey deserves to be better. All the Ravens fans will know that. But of course, you know, the national... Uh, you know, NFL fans will continue to not know Marlon Humphrey is the best corner, best young corner in the National Football League until, you know, he gets more recognition in the media and, of course, in Madden because Madden goes a long way, believe it or not, in shaping opinion on these NFL topics. Um, next up, we have uh, last year's rookie, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, again, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Broke the franchise record for receiving yards by rookie tight end with 552. It was previously held by Max Williams somewhere in, I think, the low 300s, if I remember correctly. Don't hold me on that. It could be different. Um, But Mark Andrews had a phenomenal rookie campaign, starting with Joe Flacco, quarterback, and moving into Lamar Jackson's tenure as quarterback. He continued to shine in both those instances. And, And after 552 yards, breaking a franchise record uh, in his rookie year, Mark Andrews is just a 79 overall, making him not good, great, but decent. Why on earth is Mark Andrews just a, I mean, this makes no sense to me. He, why is he rated so low? Why is he rated one point ahead of Hayden Hurst? who He ran circles around Hayden Hurst last year. I mean, Hayden Hurst was off the field a lot with injury. But at the same time, it's like, you know, he did wonders for this offense. He's rated a 79 overall. He's... Well, he's technically the best receiver on this Madden team with Willie Sneed at 78. If you count Mark Andrews as a receiver, he's technically the best receiver on this on this Madden roster. But a 79 does feel too low to me. I, I mean, I think he should be around an 84. Maybe it's because he's more of a Dennis Pitta type than, than a uh, Hayden Hurst. As in, you know, Hayden Hurst can sit down and block somebody. Dennis Pitta, you know, I guess he could, but it really didn't do it as much. He's more vertical. That's what Mark Andrews was, a vertical guy more than anything. Um, maybe that's why they're keeping him so low, but at the same time, you know, Jimmy Graham, when he was doing, uh, phenomenally well, was highly rated, and I'm not comparing Mark Andrews right now to prime Jimmy Graham, you know, Jimmy Graham was a league of his own, uh, Mark Andrews could become that, but right now, going into this year, he's not, but he should be at least rated in 84, because this is way too low, um, you know, for, for what he did last year, going into this year, same offense, um, caught a lot of passes from Lamar Jackson. He is a breakout candidate, although we didn't talk about him because he broke out last year. But he could be even better this year than he was last year. Probably will be even better this year than he was last year. So, 79, way too low for Mark Andrews there. Um, the final official um, guy we're going to talk about on here as an underrated Madden player here is Matthew Judon at 81 overall. I think Judon could be an 86 I mean, I know he's kind of underwhelmed some expectations from people because we keep expecting him to to break out every single season, and he doesn't really make that jump. He's been overshadowed basically his whole career with the Ravens, but this is his year to really shine, and I think an 81 is just too low. I think 86 for his talent level, regardless of stats, his talent level alone should put him at an 86, make him like on the cusp of elite player status. Um, he, he put up seven sacks last year. 
that should first of all that should be higher than 81 for just seven sacks he should be at 82 83 um but again the talent level there should be much higher than than 81 overall but he's not we'll see what the madden developers do uh, moving through the year, but he should be at least starting out as an 86 overall. I think he was a lot higher last year at the start. He probably was around 86, if I remember correctly. Um, so I don't know what the big drop was about. It's not like he dropped in play. He had a better season last year than he usually does, so why does he drop um, in overall uh, Madden rating? That I don't get. I don't think I'm going to be able to fathom that one through the entire season here uh, until he's rated at least 86, maybe higher. And, of course, my bonus underrated player here is Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is simply 87. That makes the game literally unplayable for me because Justin Tucker should be a 99. Justin Tucker is the best kicker in National Football League history, and he's sitting in an 87. I mean, is that even... I don't even know if that's the best um, kicker in Madden, but even if it is, that's super, super, super low for the best kicker to ever play this game. Why is he an 87? Why is he not a 99? I mean, this is this is ridiculous. I mean, we got to boycott the game or something because, you know, not, he's not a 99, he's an 87. Whatever. You know, he'll just have another season of, of making almost every field goal. Whatever. Maybe they assume, like, the uh, the opera singing, you know, could hurt his, his voice somehow and then make, you know, factor that into the ratings. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. But, uh, no, I expect Justin Tucker to get a huge increase in rating by the end of the year. And, of course, if you play Madden Ultimate Team, he'll be the number one rated kicker. He'll probably be the number one rated kicker in all of Madden by, you know, week two or whatever. So, after he kicks a 75-yard field goal in the rain and snow and lightning and, and, uh, you know, locust storm too, whatever. Um, so we'll see how that plays out for Justin Tucker. Um, but, yeah, he's the best kicker in the National Football League. And in NFL history, so he should be rated higher. And with that, we're going to close this episode here, the long episode of the return of Nest Talk, episode 36 here again, in case you missed it earlier, being recorded on July 18th, 2019, scheduled for release the next day, July 19th, 2019. Let me know. I want to know. What are you looking forward to this Ravens preseason, this Ravens offseason, this Ravens training camp, whatever, anything before week one of the regular season? What are you looking forward to? Who do you want to see ball out? Uh, and what storyline do you think will be most interesting to follow? Let me know. Give me a comment. You know, send me a tweet. I'd like to know. Just interesting. Um, it'd be interesting to find out what all of you guys are looking forward to in this training camp and preseason coming up. Of course, you should subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the uh, iTunes link, which will be down below if you're not listening on iTunes already. You can always rate us on iTunes as well. That helps out a lot in people finding our Nest Talk podcast. You can give us a thumbs up on tw- on um, YouTube. That would also help us. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Nest Talk. You can find the Baltimore Feather at Be More Feather. And of course, I am at Chris Linfont, also on Twitter. And of course, check the BaltimoreFeather.com for the latest and greatest Ravens news opinions. We're going to be posting a lot in the upcoming weeks and through training camp and the preseason. So if you want the best Ravens content, you can find it always on BaltimoreFeather.com. That's where we always post these uh, podcasts to as well. So that will be there um, for you to enjoy. Um, So yeah, that wraps up Nest Talk episode 36. Great to be back on a weekly basis. We will see you in the next episode.